Disclaimers, consuming this podcast may remind you of things you already know but have forgotten, catalyze jaw-dropping epiphanies, draw you down the rabbit hole, and shit may get weird. Welcome to Portal, the human design podcast with your hosts, Alyssa Trube and Cheyenne Sukowski. How do we start this podcast, Alyssa? That's a really good question. I love the questions. Today we are going to dive into interviewing no one other than me, myself, and I. And if you don't know who me, myself, and I is, that's a really great thing. No, it's actually not a great thing. You are you, yourself, and I. And me. Me. We're interviewing me. Cheyenne is going to interview me, Alyssa, and we are going to walk through some really broad spectrum, like big picture concepts around human design, because we got a real lot of feedback from all of you, thank you, everyone who is listening, about some questions you have. What is human design? What are the entry points into the system? And so along with kind of exploring a little bit more about human design, we are also going to, well, Cheyenne is going to ask me some questions Ask me some questions specifically exploring like how did how did I even start with human design? How did I get introduced to human design? How did it come into my life? And what was that like? And you know, why was it so provoking for me? So without further ado, I'm gonna hand the mic over to Cheyenne and let her uh, be the manifester of this interview <laughs> as I sit back and feel what it feels like to have questions asked of me <laughs> by a manifester. Is that going to be uncomfortable? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect kind of uncomfortable. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. <laughs> I'm also really, like, I'm leaning in. I'm like, le- I'm like, yes, okay, let's go. Which is a great, like, subtle body to mm-hmm. you, I guess. Yeah, you're ready for it. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for the intensity. Ready for the intensity. Yeah. We'll try not to make it too intense. But oh, I love yeah. it. Okay. All the intensity, like camping. Yeah. Intense. So, okay, let's start with just a little bit about Alyssa. Um, More, you know, more specifically, where are you from? Where did you grow up in this world? Mm. Oh, you're really touching my nostalgic (laughs) Cancerian underbelly, huh? Get into it. (laughs) You're like, go. All right, so close your eyes for a second, unless you're driving, in which case do not close your eyes. But if you're not driving, imagine a small town on the water. Like, I mean, really small. I mean, a small town in the smallest state, and that state is Rhode Island. On the water, as in, like, entire town is coastline. Mm. And in the summer, it's this, like, balmy, beautiful, succulent space where everyone knows everyone. Mm. There's really rich, like, local food and community, and it's it's quaint, it's peaceful. And then in the winter, mm. when all the tourists leave and the air is no longer balmy and warm, mm. it is bone-chilling, humid, and cold, <laughs> um, no one's around mm. except for the students at the University of Rhode Island. So the town I'm from, it's like this really beautiful town. It's called South Kingstown or Wakefield or Peacedale, depending on 
where you look it up. And it's kind of a split between like farmland and a little bit of suburbia. Mm. And it's coastal. And it is also abutting the town that the state's university sits in. Mm. And so it's just like a very rich hub of like there's no pretension there. It's mm. like a lot of intelligent humans that are very down to earth mm. because there's so many people that work at the university. And then there's a lot of people that are like into fishing and farming. And it's just like a, a small town with a ton of heart mm. to give you an idea. Like they have amazing bike paths and they had like when I was growing up there, they had like two crunchy granola, like health food stores, mm. you know, <laughs> just like in a, in one small town. Mm-hmm really beautiful, um, very community oriented. And I lived there for 21 years. Oh, that long, that long. Wow. Yeah. I grew up there, born, raised, went, you went to, to college, college. Oh, yep. went wow. to the university of Rhode Island, like lived with my parents, studied so much. I was such a nerd, worked a ton, <laughs> rode my bike everywhere. Like I, I hated driving. I had this like big blue Ford Explorer. <laughs> And I just hated driving it. So I would bike everywhere. I'd bike from work to school, school to home, home to work. The only place I didn't bike was when I worked for SNAP Mm. and when I worked for the hospital, like up north, more near Providence. Um, And so, yeah, that was it. Like, you know, it was such a small town that you'd go for a run and like the next, for the next week, everyone would be like, oh, I saw you out for your morning (laughs) run or, you know, it's just like so close. Mm. So like heart centered in a really funny, beautiful, and also obscure kind of Mm. way. Did you like that about it? Like how small it was? I did like that about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt like there was a sense of like, someone's always got your back. The thing that was hard about it is like the whole concept of like reputation. Mm. That was very challenging as far as, and definitely conditioning for Mm. me as like a young Um, you know, especially like my type is a projector. I have no motors and I definitely was conditioned by like, oh, withhold, uphold the reputation of my maiden name is Neil of the Neil family. You know, Mm. like, oh, we have like this kind of character that we hold Mm. and we're very proud of it and like uphold that. Like, don't go too far outside the lines, you know? (laughs) Um, and that's great. I get that. That's like such tribal circuitry. Mm. And that's kind of what that town feels like is Mm. everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows each other's business. And reputation is the part for me that was challenging. Mm. But everything else was really beautiful and like very dynamic. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I've lived in a few really small towns where and actually I grew up in a small town, but it is it, I think it's hard when you're a kid too, or just like an adolescent, because you're you're going through so many changes and trying to figure out who you are. And it's like when you're in that small environment, um, I just think you're more affected by the people around you and what they think. And, and it's just reflected back to you more often than if you were in a bigger city or something like that, where it's just, you're not seeing the same people. So you're not getting that reflection over and over of like, Oh, like last week you were into this and now you're into this. Like, like I feel like it's harder to, or it can be harder to maybe change and, and just like discover who you are. Yes, absolutely. And that's where like looking back, if you asked anyone who I grew up with about me, like I was, um, I would say change is like a very common thread Mm. through my life. Even when I was younger, like there was like just a dynamic, like always shifting, changing, shifting, changing. 
Um, but it all, that made me be very almost like hermetic Mm. because like I was very social in the sense of like, if you put me in a room, I could really connect with anyone. And I played a lot of sports and I did like a pageant or two pageants and just like different things like that. But most of my time after, like as soon as I got into high school was spent alone, Mm. um, which was like by choice just because I probably that G center authority. Like I cannot deny the, the feeling that I'm being pulled in a certain direction. Like I can't deny, Oh, I need this. I want this. This is the next step. And so it was always a shift, always a change. I remember, um, I had like very reverently played sports my entire young life, soccer, basketball, especially. Um, and then when I got to high school, I started playing volleyball and I remember going through like this really transformational kind of intensity, which was, I did a pageant. It was like Miss Teen Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. It was epic. It was amazing. I like totally threw myself into it entirely, but in doing so, I ended up developing an eating disorder. Mm. And that eating disorder really showed me like a lot about tendencies that mm-hmm. I had as a as a human, just patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of noticing like the people pleasing pattern when Mm -hmm. that came up because so many people were like, Alyssa, you like lost your spark. You lost your radiance. Mm -hmm. You like, what are you doing? And there was this like, yeah, I agree with them. Like I could see that, but also there was this like, wow, I can't win. Like Mm -hmm. I'm either too big and too sexy and too whatever, or I'm too thin and I have no spark. And so like, Oh, whoa, I need to just come back to like doing me. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling that and being like, I have to quit volleyball. Like, I want to start doing yoga. Mm. I want to start doing, like, Baptiste heated power yoga, the woman I babysat for. She did it, and she would always be like, I think you'd really like this. And so I remember the day, like, going to my parents, and I was like, I'm going to quit volleyball. And they were like, are you sure? (laughs) Like, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, yeah. And I could feel that, like, anxious anticipation in my body. And the next day I quit. And I was like, okay, cool. This is what it feels like. In hindsight, I now have the word to follow my inner authority. Mm. But then it was like the things we just talked about. How is this going to impact my reputation? Everyone's going to know I quit. Everyone knows that I just lost all this weight. Everyone knows I did a pageant, right? You're really seen. Mm. And in many ways, for my design, it works. I'm observed, Mm. not observer. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that works. But I could also see if you flipped it and someone was observed, I mean, observer, excuse me, instead of observed, as far as like the quantum goes, Mm. that might be really uncomfortable for them. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how, uh, just going back to what you said about how, when you're um, trying to kind of do things for other people, Mm. right. And, and, and not even for other people, but for this like almost third entity, which is like your reputation. Yes. And that's something that I think like, I, I think like kids these days must have it so hard in a lot of ways, especially with social media. Cause Mm. it's like, we do have this, uh, maybe it's like a fourth projection. I don't even know of ourselves in the online space where it's like, we feel like we have to like cultivate and like keep, keep it up. And it's a whole other persona. Um, and it could be like aligned to who you are in real life, but even if you try to align it pretty closely, it's still different. Yes. And yeah, it's just like that whole extra level of like, uh, who are you making decisions for? And right. not even who, but like which version of yourself. Right. <laughs> which right. is, that's pretty complicated to it sort is, out. I it think. is super complicated. Yeah. Cause then you're getting into like, 
how do I perceive the other people perceive me? And then how, <laughs> right. It's like the whole, and that's reputation, yeah. honestly. Like yeah. that's because no one knows unless they're in your circle and you're mm. transparent with them or have intimacy around mm-hmm. or transparency even mm-hmm. around these kind of things. It's like, no one really knows Mm. you mm-hmm. they perceive that they do mm-hmm. but like only they're really the closest people to you i feel like yeah. truly know you the yeah. ones who can see your patterning or yeah. see like your growth spots or whatever so yeah that's a very good point and if you are someone that's listening to this and you are like younger you know maybe like send us an email mm-hmm. or reach out to us on instagram and just like let us know what has your experience been um moving through and navigating like the online world and that Mm. kind of fourth persona. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you know your human design, this is where like, I think again, having a little bit of strategy in life, right? Like if you know your human design and you can kind of weave that in Mm -hmm. to how you navigate spaces Mm -hmm. that can help not take things so personally. So would you say that going back to the pageant, Mm-hmm. Did that seemed like it had a pretty profound effect on you and like you maybe looking back into yourself and really seeing like how am I being in the world would mm-hmm. you say that that kind of did that start you on any sort sort of path yeah did it kind of it was a catalyst I would yes okay so there were a handful of things it's like the when it rains it pours kind of moment mm-hmm. there were a handful of things that happened almost all at the same time. Mm. And those things were one entering into this pageant and feeling the not self of like, I'm going to prove that I can do this. Mm. Um, it was actually a guidance counselor who said to me like, Alyssa, I think like you would be really good at this. Do you want to try this just as like an experience? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, why not? So I did, I did that pageant. And at the same time, what was really cool is that preparing Well, actually, let me give you a little bit of context. If you do not know me, I'm not like a half-asser. Like, yes, sometimes things take me time, but when I do them, it's like it becomes a full part of my being. Mm. And so I really like, I mean, imagine like a ninth grade, a freshman going into sophomore year. And over that summer, I literally spent the entire summer preparing for this September pageant. Mm. And I did that by like, I read the book, Think and Grow Rich. I had like a pageant coach who like a family friend introduced me to. She like taught me how to walk and how to stand and like how to hold my head and all of this stuff. Uh, I like flashcarded myself on questions. I like started dieting. I'd wake up every morning, go to the gym. I like stopped socializing altogether. Mm. Cause I was like, I need to be in bed by nine so I can be up by four 30. I can run to the gym. Like it was like a full consumption of I'm doing a pageant. Let mm. me let this totally mold my being. So I have that experience. I get first runner up and I'm like simultaneously crushed. And also like, wow, good job. That was yeah. awesome. Um, and came out of the pageant full on in eating disorder mode, mm-hmm. having gone from, you know, my like normal body, which is pretty much like what I look like now to like 30 pounds less than that in the span of like two and a half months. Like it mm-hmm. was dramatic and it was not healthy, mm-hmm. but it created this like fear patterning and like almost control response of like very tightly gripping onto body and weight and all this stuff. And within the span of that, like, kind of, let's say, four to six month block, my period went away. Mm. And that was another thing on top of the pageant, on top of the prepping for it, that 
was a turning point because I had a doctor. I like went in for my annual physical and I had a doctor be like, Hey, you know, you've always been in the 95th percentile for weight and height. And now all of a sudden your weight's down here in the fifth percentile and your height's still up. Like what is happening? Do you even have your period? Mm. And a light bulb went off for me and I was like, wait a minute, I don't have my period. And I'm, you know, a 14 year old, I think I was 14, 14 year old, like young woman. And I didn't even notice that I didn't have my period because I was so hyper-focused. I'm like, wow, I'm so skinny. Mm. And it was this like true moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I was trying to do this to be healthy. Mm. Like really I was, I was trying to feel really good. That's not healthy that my period's gone. And the doctor like looked at me and I hated her in this moment. And she was like, well, you either go on birth control, you gain the weight back. Mm. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm not sexually active right now. So like, I'm just going to gain the weight. Like I could feel it in me. And so that along with the pageant, along with the disordered eating, along with the missing period, all kind of made this perfect whirlwind of very high, all of a sudden self-awareness, like beyond the normal things that a high school girl would be focused on where I was like, Oh, I just kind of dug a hole for myself. And now I need to get out of that hole, but I want to do it in a way that's actually healthy. But those six months, those four to six months conditioned my mental plane so hard around the eating, like eating and thinness and all like achieving even Mm -hmm. that it was very rigorous. Like it took me until the end of high school to really get out of the pattern of disordered eating Mm. and to get my period back. Like it wasn't until three years later that I had a regular period again, just after that like stint of hardcore caloric restriction. And so as I was going through all of those changes, there was a lot of like studying, like just independent studying that was happening where I was like reading books on the menstrual cycle and diet and working with like a naturopath and just like all of these factors. I happened to have um, an incredible high school teacher who offered a course called Survey of Agriculture. And he like introduced us to like all of these holistic concepts around how to grow food and eating food and just like how we view the world and, you know, the secular nature as opposed to the linear nature. Just, I mean, all of these things. And I was like a sponge. And I walked out of that high school a completely different person. Mm. Then I walked into it. And so, yes, the pageant was like one of those catalysts. But I would say, you know, in hindsight, if I had known what human design was then, all of that actually, even though it was a very difficult, like probably some of the most difficult emotional time in my life was Mm -hmm. high school. It was very character building. But if I had known the system of human design, I would have said like that time frame really taught me to value my inner authority. It taught me to value my, like, I don't know where this comes from, but I have a direction. I have a trajectory. I have a connection to my G center. I have a connection to my center for identity, love, and direction. I can feel the kind of like hooked in of the arm of the monopole, like on a rail, almost like giving me a trajectory. And so if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, Alyssa, I love that you know what human design is, but like, what is human design? Okay, let's pause for a second on my story and just work in what is human design. So human design, as we talked about in the first episode, is a synthesis. It's a combination of different systems that are woven together in order to give us insight about how we can move through the world as individuals with less resistance. Now you might be thinking, okay, that sounds very cute and sweet and helpful, but how do I move through the world with less resistance? 
Well, human design takes concepts from the I Ching, astrology, the chakra system, the Kabbalah, and then, you know, it kind of like takes into account the binary or the quantum. And it takes all of those systems and it generates for you, for me, for anyone, a body graph. And that body graph speaks to the mechanics of our aura. Okay, what is an aura? It's an energetic field. Think about for a second when you are sitting next to your mom as opposed to when you're sitting next to your best friend. And just in your own space, feel into how those two beings feel different. Yes, of course, you're conditioned to perceive them different, but they have a different energy. Consider two of your friends. Do they not have different energies? Does everyone, without them even opening their mouth, kind of hold a different energy? That is an energetic body or an energetic field or an auric type. And so what human design does is it gives us information about our auric type and gives us a strategy to follow based on our auric type. Now, where this gets really helpful is that there are, let's say, just to keep it really simple, five different auric types. Each of those auric types has a different strategy. Now, this is like, kind of think about how you have like, um, what's it called? I'm not a car person, but like an automatic Mm -hmm. car Mm -hmm. and then a manual Mm -hmm. car. And you have to drive. (laughs) I'm like, am I going to get this right here? (laughs) Please brain work for me just for a second. Um, Think about how you have these different types of cars and you have to drive them differently. You have to have different points of awareness as you drive those cars, right? Like for an automatic, you get in, you don't have to think about what the the clutch? What are you doing? Yeah. What are clutch, you doing? Clutch and I feel like you know. And, yeah. yeah. So that how many elements do you have to think about when you are in a manual? Well, yeah. So your left foot is on the clutch. Yeah. And also on the brake occasionally. So clutch and then gas and then you you have to shift and then you have to get the timing right. So it's, oh, it's right the timing. timing. The timing is the hard part. Right. <laughs> in my experience. And in human design, the timing is the hard part. Yeah. Right? Like, whoo. Okay, exactly. I love this. Brilliant. Yeah. So that's what human design does. It's like, it's asking you to look at, are you a manual car or are you an automatic car? And that's of course a metaphor, but essentially what human design is looking at is, Hey, what is your org type? What are the variables you need to be aware of based on the energy that when you step into a room, people all of a sudden feel from you? Now, if I had known about human design when I was younger, I would have known that my auric type as a projector type, which is about 20% of the population, is probing. And so when I was moving through the pattern of disordered eating and I became hyper aware of oh my gosh, there's pesticides on things that aren't organic and wait, they're feeding all these cows grain and that changes their fatty acid profile and all of these little things. Instead of me projecting onto my family everything I knew and telling them what to do, I would have waited for the invitation to share what I knew and I would have coaxed out the invitation by asking good questions. And I would have known that every single one of my family members is a generator or a manifesting generator. Generator types are 70% of the population. So I would have had the knowledge to say, hey, all I need to do is ask these people yes, no questions. 
And then by asking them yes, no questions, they'll get the insight. They'll get the, the cue that I've got some answers or I've got some insight and they'll invite me and my probing aura to share that insight with them as opposed to just penetrating, rushing to penetrate and really making people feel like they were wrong or like making people feel like they needed to be defensive because I wasn't invited to penetrate. Now, those are three of the types. Projectors, probing aura, generators, which have a kind of like enveloping, warm, kind of hug-like aura, manifesting generators, which they also have a a kind of enveloping, hug-like, warm aura, but theirs is like a little bit more prickly because they move (laughs) fast. They move fast. And so if you you go into their hug-like aura, they're kind of like, I'm trying to do a lot of things right now. Can you please just back up? Maybe you know some people like this. Then we have the manifester type. Oh, my grandfather. My father's father, he was a manifester. And when I when I tell you, people used to call him Bada Bing because he would walk into a room with his big ass energy and he would tell you all the things. He'd be like, hey, you, over there. What are you doing? You shouldn't be doing that. That's not for you. Get, get down from there. Come here, I'll give you five bucks. He would inform, which manifestors have this big aura and it's almost like impenetrable. It's like an impenetrable, very big aura and it's focused on them so that they can have information coming in that they understand and they know and then they can share that information with the space so that the generator types can respond to that information and projectors can watch it all happen and go hmm hey bada maybe grandpa if you send that with a little bit more kindness in your voice people would actually respond yes to you oh okay that's interesting And then you have the reflector types. And these types are quite rare, even though they seem to pop up everywhere. And they are about 1% of the population as compared to 70% that are generator types responding from this sacral energy that is life force, workforce, 20% of projector types, probing aura, and then 10% of manifestor types, which have this like big kind of impenetrable aura. Reflectors are like Teflon. They sample everything and they reflect it back and nothing really sticks to them. It just hits, slides off, hits, slides off. And as it does, they get to feel, hmm, what feels like me? What doesn't feel like me? What is this telling me about me? And reflector types are so rare because they have no access to any energy. They literally just reflect the energy of their environment and the people within that environment back. That's what they do. They're about 1% of the population. So had I known the system of human design back when I was in high school, there would have been a lot of things that I did differently. And I also would have deep bowed to myself for really understanding and listening to that inner authority, that G-Center. Now, if you're going, Alyssa, okay, you just said human design is a system that helps us to understand our auric field and how to move through the world, understanding the energy of our being with less resistance. And you said something about strategy, like every type has a strategy, projectors are wait, they wait until they're invited, generator types respond, that includes manifesting generators, manifestors inform and reflectors wait a lunar cycle. But okay, how do you use this strategy? Well, you use the strategy by using your inner authority, which maybe we'll get to in a couple minutes. <laughs> Yeah. So you're, thank you for all that. That, that was, (laughs) 
that was a uh, good information, I think, for everybody. Good foundation to lay. And I'm kind of curious. So when you first, well, first of all, I'm going to ask a few questions and then maybe you can just answer them all at once. Go for it. So when you, um, when did you first discover human design? Like when did it kind of first come into your field of awareness? And then what, what was your reaction when you first saw your body graph? Like, Mm. did you think when you looked at it, were you just like, Oh, this makes sense. Or were you just like, what the hell am I looking at? Or you saw a projector on there and you were like, I don't know, that doesn't sound like me or, Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's me. (laughs) You know, just like, what was your experience of all that? I love it. Okay. So this is such a great question because the person who introduced me to human design was also the person who she's just this like real, she's a five, one profile, which we'll talk about profiles in a later episode, but it's essentially the archetypal costume that we wear through the world. She's a five, one, she's a heretical investigator. And she was just this brilliant orb of energy. Mm. And I had been interested in astrology and she had studied astrology. And so she kind of, we would kind of like talk about it and she'd teach me and I'd be like, wait, can I write that down? And you know, She's a generator type. And maybe about a year after we had started to hang out, she was like, hey, so is it okay if I pull your human design? And in my head, I'm like, you know, at this point, especially I was like such a classically trained like science person. And I kind of eye rolled and I was like, like, I like astrology. I'm learning it. But like, okay, another system. Are you serious? Like, come on. Like that was my, I remember I was sitting at Whole Foods on Pearl Street in Boulder. (laughs) It was hot out. We were sitting at the bar outside with our coffees and she said it and I was like, yeah, sure. Like whatever. So she pulls it and she's like, she's like, I knew it. Like I totally knew that you were a projector type and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I have no idea what this means. And the body graph that was just generated, which to give you like some context as far as timeline goes, I think this was like 2017, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was like 2017. The body graph that was just generated, like, is literally just a PDF with, like, shapes and lines and numbers. And I have no idea what any of it means, except that, for some reason, the minute that I looked at it and saw, like, the visual feedback of the information, I was like, yeah, that's about right. Like, that's about right. And so, if you've ever seen a body graph, what mine looks like is I have an open head, which is the center at the very top, and then I have a defined Ajna to throat throat to G center and then the rest is open so there's three defined centers Ajna data processing center throat the gift of gab and (laughs) you're like yeah no shitless um and (laughs) the G center which is identity love and direction and so I remember just being like okay I I don't know anything right because the Jovian archive like Mm. is amazing and you look at it and you're like cool there's no information here except I can see like projector Role model hermit, um, left angle cross of obscuration, which even that I was like, that just feels right to me. Like (laughs) obscuration. Yes. Okay. Um, and quite frankly, I saw it, I saved it as a PDF in my phone and I don't think I touched it for like a couple months Mm. at least. Like I was like, yeah, this is interesting, but like, I'm kind of turned off by the fact that there's no information Mm. right here on the PDF. That I think that that is common I want to say like even in my own experience it's like you you have this new information it's intriguing it's overwhelming 
it's maybe doesn't make any sense. Maybe makes some unexplainable sense. Right. Sensing, <laughs> sensing yeah. circuitry sense. Right. But yeah. it's like all those things. Yes. And then your brain's kind of just like, all right, well, that's interesting. And like <laughs> you put it down for a while and then it just starts like nagging at you. That that, that was my experience at well least. Said. So was that your experience too? Yes. Like where it's just like, hmm. And then you start kind of like looking into the information. Precisely. And I think honestly, an observation that I've made, and it it parallels what you just said about that kind of nagging, that pull, that anchor it puts Mm -hmm. in you. I have heard that from so many people who are through the lens of human design, non-sacral beings. Mm. Like they just see it and they're like, huh, something about this feels right. Mm. I don't know what, I don't know if it's like the tendency to want to understand systems or energy because we don't make that sacral energy. Um, Humans, as you were listening to this, if there are words that you're like, a sacral energy, huh? We will like continue to tune in because the more you listen, the more we will explain things. And of course, once you have access to the portal app, whether you're a beta tester or it's a couple years down the line when you're like, yeah, I'm full on in this and I've been using the actual app for years now, you'll understand all of the information at that point and as we unfold. So just to kind of like... We're keeping you hanging on purpose, okay? It's a strategy. Um, a strategy. A strategy. An extra strategy. strategy. I'm, like, fully strategic in my variables except for my, like, brain. Like, yeah. my brain's, like, receptive and the rest of me is strategic. So I'm always, like, absorb all the information and then get strategic. <laughs> um, so that was my reaction when I saw my body graph. And what was really interesting to me was... Then I ended up in a group of people and we pulled everyone's body graph and we were working together. Like we were working together to host a retreat and there was some like wonky energy dynamics. Mm. And so something Mm. in me was like, Alyssa, instead of taking this really personal, just go pull everyone's human design. Mm. And I did. And I was like, okay, now I got to learn this a little bit because something about this makes sense. There's two projectors, one splenic. One's G-Center. We're both supposed to wait for the invitation. We're power dynamic struggling Mm. to like almost control the whole group Mm. because then there's a reflector and a generator. No one has emotional authority. Everyone's like, you know, very like intellectual almost, but also spiritual. And all of a sudden, the system of human design became a tool for me to orient to other people's energetic dynamic. It wasn't even about me. It was just like, okay, how can I make sense of what's happening here? Because it does not make sense at all. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I'm, I'm really curious, like from your observation too, like, have you noticed that with, with like similar, like similar types? So like two projectors or two plus projectors or multiple manifestors or do you think, I mean, I would assume there's like a little bit of like resonance in that because it's like you're inhabiting the same space Mm -hmm. in in a way. Yes. Not maybe the exact same, but something similar. So it's like, it's kind of like you get each other, but then you're also the, the shadow side of that is that you're, you're inhibiting the same space, which means you're in conflict potentially. Right. Yeah. This is a really incredible question because it's, it, Okay, so yes, I would say there is resonance and that's where the comfort or like the magnetism mm. of like, oh, cool, we like we're both projectors mm. or ooh, you feel familiar, you mm. have an open sacral center. Um or ooh, I like how your generator sacral energy buzzes. Mm-hmm. Like, right, there's this like kind of noticing of types. But what I notice is before people know their human design, 
there is a ton of conflict between same types. Mm. Why? Because people are acting from the not self. Mm. And so, for example, you put two projectors together that don't know their design and you get a whole bunch of not self coming up, which for those of you who are like, what the hell is not self? And that would be capital N-O-T, little <laughs> dash, capital S-E-L-F, <laughs> not self. The not self is the self that we kind of morph into as we're conditioned. And how we get conditioned primarily is through our openness. We get conditioned through the centers, the energetic centers that we have that are open or undefined. And essentially what that feels like or looks like is you experience energy really variably, very different in an open center, as opposed to a defined center where you have this kind of consistent flow of energy. You're not really conditioned through your defined centers, but your open centers, because they're always having different experiences with how you speak or how you think or how you emote or how you work or how you respond to stress or how you respond to fear or how you respond to the material plane and proving yourself, because the the experience is always really different, you get conditioned by the people that are around you. And so when you put two projectors, let's say, or two manifestors together and they don't really know their design, they tend to come from the not self. And so then it creates all this friction, especially like if you have two projectors because they're metabolizing each other's energy through that penetrative aura. Or the two manifestors feel that like big energy, like boom, like conflict of, okay, who's the boss here? As opposed to like, wait, we're both the boss but we don't need to be the boss of each other. Mm. I feel like really the only type that kind of flows are generators because they're mm. just so like, I mean, generators can be really messed up too. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But there's less of a, well, let me, let me actually put it this way. As long as generator types are not grasping from their not self, they're mm. pretty calm. Mm-hmm. But when the, when the grasping starts happening, that's when, especially with non-sacral beings around them, yeah, there's like a whole conflict. So again, the very convoluted story that I'm telling is both there's resonance and it really depends on how much self-awareness the person has. And this doesn't mean that you need human design. Like, let me just be really clear here. And I think Cheyenne, you might agree with me is like, no one needs human design to function well. Mm -hmm. However, it equips you with insight, tools, awareness to use to understand yourself better and also to understand the energy dynamics of others better and so that's where like when you put a bunch of types that are similar in a group and they know their energetic dynamic everyone's kind of watching for and aware of the blind spots yeah and I think to your point too it's like you could also have a group of people who know nothing about human design Mm -hmm. and are self-aware right (laughs) and you get like pretty similar, yes. you know, interaction dynamics, um, things are maybe a little bit easier. So right. that's just to say that like human design is a way to look at yourself. It's a framework that you can take on. And if it makes sense to you and if it, um, you know, brings good things into your life, not, not necessarily easy yes. things. That's a, a distinction I'll make, but you know, good in the way of like, you feel like you're more in alignment with who you actually are in the world. But if it isn't doing that, I mean, you know, feel free to leave it right. where you found it. Because, right. like, you know, life life is too short to, like, take on what we say, you we you know, like, you need to go do this. Yes. But, you know, if it works for you. Right, right. <laughs> and that, 
this is where, and again, like such a, when I was talking about inner authority, mm-hmm. right? Such a big part of human design is, is using your stress, using your inner authority, which everyone has one to navigate life through your strategy and what that does like every single person the one commonality between inner authorities is that no one's inner authority is the mind Mm. and when we talk about self-awareness oftentimes like the entry point for self-awareness I think up until at least for me this system it was like so far off Mm. like yeah I'm aware of myself but because I'm using my mind to make decisions I don't have access to exponential awareness think about Mm -hmm. where awareness comes from Mm -hmm. generally it's like something in the mind right being like oh hey you just did that thing again where you came home and you just started offloading all of your emotional baggage on your husband (laughs) and you didn't ask if he could listen right like that's Mm -hmm. coming from the mind that little Mm -hmm. like knock 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 Mm -hmm. check and so with human design what happens is you start following this strategy and you use body wisdom the sacral the emotional center, the G center, the splenic center to navigate making decisions. And as you navigate making decisions with your body, your mind begins to just become awareness Mm. because it's not wrapped up in the decision-making process. And therefore it's not wrapped up in what if this happens and what if that happens and did I make the right decision and is there a right decision all of these things that the mind really is made to to measure Mm. but it's not made to measure decision making and so to your point regardless of how you arrive at self-awareness self-awareness facilitates any experience whether it's really easy to begin with or incredibly difficult and human design facilitates self-awareness because it takes away any decision-making from the mind. Which is, yeah, that is something that is so important, actually, now that I'm really listening to what you're saying, thinking about it. It's like, okay, so with self-awareness, without the framework of, like, bringing you back to that body wisdom, I feel like you, the tendency is to get kind of, at least, and I experience this, is to get stuck in this, like, mental loop where you're, like am I self-aware? Am I being self-aware right now? Yes, this is the thing, you know, like, and then you're like, but is it? And you're just like, like spinning out. Like it's a different kind of self-awareness. Like you need mental process, or at least for me, it's like, you you know, kind of gathering all the information and then like, and then aligning it to like the body wisdom. But Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, so you need the mind, right? You know, the mind has its purpose and it's something that obviously like it does a lot for us. But the thing that it struggles with is that it's almost like getting stuck in the matrix where you're just like, is this real? Is that real? Am I in the, you know, like, what am I even seeing? Like, and the mind struggles with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Right. So well said. And that's something that again, like the mind is, he. we don't want to demonize mind. Yeah. Right. It's like the mind is what's gotten us this far. Mm-hmm. And think about where perception comes from. Mm-hmm the mind think about where like measuring things or analyzing things which are really important and do you want to spend your whole life analyzing the decision you just made Mm -hmm. no do people do that hell yeah that's why a lot of people look for outer authority Mm -hmm. someone else tell me what i should do because then if someone else tells you then you don't have to analyze did i make the right choice Mm -hmm. you then can kind of be like they made the choice i'm just following orders Mm -hmm. check Right. And so it's like 
you do that long enough and you lose entire sense of who you are and also your, your passions, your desires, your intelligence, your trajectory in life. And that's homogenization. That's like truly like think about milk. (laughs) Think about milk for a second. You get milk straight out of the udder and it is separated. You have like this like sweet, watery, opaque bottom part, which is the milk. And then you have the cream on the top and that's thick and it's fatty and it coats your lips and it's completely different. You homogenize that, any milk you buy at the grocery store, you can't tell the difference, Mm -hmm. right? Where's the cream? Mm -hmm. You don't tell the difference. It's mixed in. It's mixed in. Where's the goddamn cream? (laughs) (laughs) If I don't have cream on the top of my milk, I don't want it. Um, And that's what happens to us. We get homogenized. We get mixed in and we go, okay, cool. There's comfort here because I don't have to decision make anymore. Someone else is doing it and therefore I don't have to analyze it and therefore I don't have anxiety. Except you do end up with more anxiety yeah. after ironically. <laughs> because something inside of you is going, help me, yeah. please. This isn't what I want. And yes, that voice was meant to sound horribly disturbing because <laughs> that is what happens when we don't use our own inner authority, mm-hmm. right? This, this thing in us kind of snaps and it's mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. And so it's like, think about how much this is a whole tangent, a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> A whole rabbit hole um, to go down that I will stop myself right now before I get too deep. But what human design is doing is not just using the form principle, the body awareness, the body wisdom, as Cheyenne just spoke to. It's also in using that body wisdom, A, alleviating the mind and letting the mind do what it's here to do, which is have brilliant insights. Like that post that you wrote yesterday. I loved oh, that. Thanks. That was so beautiful. Go check out um, Cheyenne's human human design (laughs) go check out her human design too but go check out her instagram it's carving sunlight um and so not only do you get your mind freed up from anxiety you get it opening to insight you get it opening to these like cool kaleidoscope like processes and like just the mystery and ease and out from under the pressure but you also decondition you also start to become more cheyenne more Alyssa more you because you are now making decisions from the energy you have access to as opposed to the conditioning Mm -hmm. aka someone else making your decisions for you and I think that the biggest thing that I've realized is it gives you gives you back a trust in yourself Mm. and that's like it just it's so like clear to me it's something you don't even notice until you realize that it's missing and then you start getting it back. But it's like how many people in the world are running around like, and they don't trust themselves. Mm. And I hear it almost every day with people I talk to. Like you'll hear the thing. They Mm. say the thing. They know the thing. They know it. Yes. And then they'll tell you that they don't know. I do this too to you a lot. It's funny because I'll say this something and I'll be like, I don't know. And you're like, you know. And I'm like, well, okay, I know. <laughs> you know, it's like, but I have this, yeah. you know, it's like you want to say that you don't know. Right. Even though anyone listening, anyone really listening knows that you know. <laughs> right. And anyways, so yeah, it just brings it back to like building that trust back in yourself of like, even if the people around you don't know, you know. Mm. And that's so hard when you're like conditioned to be kind of yeah just worried about what everyone else thinks or outsourcing outsourcing that trust like all the people around you know better than you and Mm -hmm. they're the ones that can tell you what you know but really 
No. <laughs> so really, no. No. <laughs> capital N, capital O, period. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, wow, that just like that section just kind of hit me. Like that section, yes. The self-awareness, I'm here for it. What if you, okay, so if you're new to human design or you like know your type and you know your authority, but you haven't really practiced it, you haven't really gotten into the juice of the experiment, what you can expect when you get into the juice of the experiment as you start actually going, okay, I'm a generator type. I have access to sacral response. Sacral response is in the body, pre-verbal, uh-huh, uh-uh, yuck, yum, yes, no. Did I lean in? Did I lean back? Or, oh, I'm a projector. I'm going to wait for the invitation for big life things. And when I get it, I'm going to run it through my inner authority and project myself into the situation and see, does this work for me? How does this feel? Am I valued? If you're a manifester and you've got emotional authority or will center authority and you're going, okay, I'm informing and I'm getting into my creative process. As you do these things and as you actually do the experiment, what can you expect from human design from the experiment? You can expect the following. And please feel free to add to this. This is a distillation of what we just talked about. You can expect more awareness. You can expect exponentially more acceptance, right? Like acceptance of your own process, as you just alluded to, whether that's a logical process, a creative process, an emotional process, a spiritual process, way more space for that. You can expect more self-trust. You can expect a certain level of like calm, which I think comes with the acceptance. And that's not going to be there every moment, but you put yourself in a situation where it's really difficult. And when you have the tool of human design, you can navigate the situation with a lot less headiness, which at least for me means less anxiety and more calm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can also expect more uniqueness because human design is always encouraging you as you follow your strategy and authority to do just that. And as you follow your strategy and authority, you become more you. You live out the uniqueness that is your personality and your energetic field, which is your design. Yeah, and I feel like the like if you if you were to take everything Alyssa just said, and then kind of the end result of that of all those things together is like you you feeling more brave Mm. about who you are and being and accepting that yeah and just being you (laughs) like that's the end result because it's like true with all that trust and all these things it's almost like you have no option no other option than to just show up as yourself and i think that that can be well obviously i hope everyone wants that for themselves (laughs) i want that for everybody personally you know because i think that the more people that show up as themselves the more other people can show up as themselves and it's like the people who are really inspiring in the world think about the people who you like are just like oh this person and you might not even really have put words to it yet but that is what it is yes this person is them they are who they are Mm -hmm. and they're just being themselves and that is something that is like it's inspiring it's motivating it hopefully makes you feel like you also want to show up as yourself and it's like imagine if the whole world was like that right what if everybody was like that and showed up as themselves not as like the not self or the like (laughs) you know we all still will have shadow states i think it's not like you just show up as like as like oh now i'm like the best person in the world like we're always going to have the shadow side of our design but i still think that like 
acknowledging that and being aware, being aware of the fact that like I'm in a shadow state right now, that in itself is so transformational, not only for you, but for everyone around you, (laughs) especially if you can like vocalize it. Like, Hey, right now I'm not my best self. Right. I'm still me, but you know, like, yeah. And then people can, then you can take things less personally. Yes. Everybody can take things less personally. Everybody. And (laughs) to build off of that. And this is where I, I notice because human design has like a spiritual kind of component to it. This gets in, bastardized greatly in a lot of the kind of like um not going to use the words that are coming to mind in a lot of the like new age spiritual kind of like spin on human design it's like be your higher self be mm. your mm. the light be the, 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 the sure yes that's great and it feels really good to to be that expression to be the, the you know in richard rudd's words in the gift state or in the city or the the higher octave expression or the high frequency or the high vibe yes that feels really good and that is part of the binary the binary comes as one and the way we transcend the binary is accepting both sides of it the way we transcend the binary is being like cool there's a shadow state here for sure i'm going to embody it and that's okay because it's through embodying the shadow state that i actually can move up in the octaves. It's just like the emotional wave. I've got to be in the lows mm-hmm. so that I can then move into the high, right? It's like we we build, we build, and we build, and we ebb, and we flow, and we build, and we build, and everything is, nothing is in vain, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, as you hear Cheyenne say, like, you get to be yourself, you get to be braver about being yourself, please know that that encompasses the entire spectrum of being, whether it's the shadow state or the most bright light glistening state you could ever be in, it's all of it. And that's the part that's no choice. Like you look at some designs, um, what is it? I think it's like the gate, I think it's the gate 35. And in the second line, it's like creative block. So it's like the gate of change. I think it's this gate. Don't quote me on this, but it's an example. The gate 35, the gate of change in the second line, which is the line of the hermit or the natural, which is always a gift state. It's called creative block. And so you get this person who shows up, right? Let's say their son is there and they're like, wait a minute, my son's in the gate of change or progress. And why does it say creative block? Like, am I going to be creatively blocked my whole life? Yes and no. <laughs> Your gift is creative block or not, right? The binary on or off, black or white, shadow or light. And so it's like being able to see your design and follow your strategy and authority and then have following your strategy and authority decondition you, which then begins to illuminate or give you access to, hey, you know, sometimes it actually is a gift when I'm creatively blocked because then I just like go into my own state. I kind of take some time for myself and I sit in the creative block and where that gets me is to the space where I'm not creatively blocked on the other side of the spectrum because they exist on the same plane. And then when I'm not creatively blocked, all this progress comes through Mm -hmm. and I'm able to make the change, voice the things, have the experiences, experience my hunger for, for adventure and new Mm -hmm. desires. And, you know, and it's like, yeah, you need all of it. Cause Mm -hmm. imagine if you had no creative block and the whole time, all the time, the creativity was just flowing. You'd be like, turn this bitch off. (laughs) Right. So it's like not judging. And this is part of our conditioning, but not judging things like the shadow Mm -hmm. state. Because it's like when we can actually see the value of the shadow state that we realize that that no choice that human design speaks of, that like, hey, you're here to be you. 
for the shitty parts and the most beautiful parts, for the ugly parts and the parts that everyone wants to see, that's when you really start being like, oh, I can breathe again. Mm -hmm. I can breathe again. And that's a really good feeling because that lets you breathe into yourself. Yeah, and I love that you said that too because the shadow state is something that, like, obviously our, uh, I think as humans, it's like our tendency is to try to get away from the shadow state, like push it away, push it away, you know, like, all right, let's just be like higher. I'm a higher being right? and (laughs) I have no shadows inside of me, you know, that kind of thing. But it's like, no, we all have it. And the only way to actually transcend the shadow, right. And you never will fully transcend it. It will always be there, but like in the moment transcend it Mm -hmm. is to go into it. Right. It's like the, yeah, it's like the journey into the underworld. Yeah. You got to go into the underworld to come out with the gold. Right. Like that is, that is the archetype. That is the story. And that is the process that will get you to, you know, to feel like the shadow state is less of a dark, scary monster. That's just like, like controlling you and more of a, like a a friend that's there, you know, and that you can be like, look at a little more objectively. Totally. And yeah. So it's like, you being more yourself, human design, the great part of it, I think is like, I mean, in a weird way, I think when you see, like when you read about the shadow states of like the gates or the channels or whatever you have, like, at least for me, it's like at first, like kind of like, oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. I actually have the 30, 35, 36. Is that uh-huh. the, Yeah. That's yeah. one of my channels. So yeah. like, yeah, I'm just like, God, yeah. <laughs> which if you're listening, the 35, 36 is the channel of transitoriness and Shout out Mitch Winkley. Yeah. Um, and if you, inside joke, if you have that channel, it's a connection that goes from the throat to the emotional center. And it's this, like, it's a sensing circuitry channel. It's driven to have experiences, but it will throw itself into experiences. The gate 36 is called darkening of the light or the gate of crisis. And it's like, and it's, you know, according to the gene keys, Richard Rudd, the shadow state is turbulence. And then as you move through the spectrum, it goes into this kind of like compassion and this understanding and this ability to be like, oh, right, humanity. Like we all have moments of crisis and those moments are what make us human. Mm -hmm. And we experience them as we move through changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And noticing that like, so like the shadow, I I am uh, highly aware of the shadow state, (laughs) especially like the 36, I think my mercury, my personality mercury's in 36 and oh, cool um it's like noticing like okay when i um when things are not turbulent mm. um something's wrong <laughs> so like oh i'm just gonna start fucking shit up a little bit <laughs> see what crisis i can create today you know just to make life really fun just to have the experience just to have the experience right. and like it pretty much never gives you the experience that you want that you're really looking for it doesn't yes. really give you what you're looking for but like i think that very clearly to me is like the shadow state of that and for like my whole life i think i would do that to a certain extent but i didn't even know i was doing it and then right. i became aware i was doing it and then human design came in and was like boom here's some like words to this experience that you've been experiencing your whole life and it's like now i'll find myself a little inkling of that pokes its little head out is like, "Mm, you want to create a crisis today? Like, (laughs) would this uh, satisfy (laughs) that need for a new experience? And it's like, I can like look at it and be like, 
not really. <laughs> and also, how can I have a, di- a different experience of my day? Yes. Give myself that without just creating it out of this like turbulent crisis mode, which is, this is like specific to me and I'm using it just as an example, but it's just like a way for you to like move through the process of like seeing the shadow, <laughs> experiencing the shadow, and also like then you know, maybe transcending it in a way. Like, how can I like bring in the gift to it? And it's like, if I had never read those words, if yes. I had never looked at the human zygote, I might still have the self-awareness of like, oh, I've noticed that I create chaos out of nothing. Right. <laughs> Such a skill of mine. <laughs> I mean, it is a skill and that's, it is a skill because chaos isn't necessarily always bad. True. And this is where like, again, if you're listening to this, This is the example of how human design naturally moves you toward more ease, quote unquote, aka less resistance. It's not going to make life easy, but what Cheyenne just explained, and thank you for like giving us that example because it's the perfect illustration of, hey, I'm noticing a pattern I have. Step one. Step two. Oh, that's awareness. With awareness, there's kind of an objectivity. Like, okay, cool, I'm seeing it. I just watched myself do it again. How did that go for me? Did I get what I wanted out of this? Hmm. Yeah, not really. Okay, objectively, do I want to do that again? Probably not. Okay, two weeks later. Oh, I'm right here at the precipice again. Right, and it's this like very... all penetrating lack of charge awareness, right? Like, it's not like a, you dumbass, you're doing this thing again. No, it's just like, hey, you're there again. Do you want to do that? And it doesn't matter if you say, yes, I want to do that. I want to create a crisis again or not. It's just, what do you want your experience to be? Mm -hmm. And that's what's fun about this system is that it starts to open your awareness so much that you can objectively watch your patterns and you can accept those patterns. And it's with the acceptance of those patterns where you start going, okay, yeah, that's part of me. How can I now do this in a way that actually serves me and feeds me and feels good for me? How can I create, which you are so creative. Like you, you Cheyenne, when you create, you move so much energy so fast. Like even as you're creating the deck of cards for um, the app and for the app Kickstarter and for just like all the gates, I'm watching you and I'm like, wow. That's insane. Like you're able to just drop in. Can you drop into that when you're in chaos and you're in like actual like emotional turbulence? Probably not. And so it's like different access points and you need all the experience to get to where you're at. And that's what's fun about human design is it's not like, oh, resist Mm -hmm. the shadow. Instead, Mm -hmm. it's just like objectively see the shadow, Mm -hmm. see how it plays out for you and then choose. Mm And it's interesting you brought the creativity part into it too, because like I've noticed for me, it's like, I actually wrote this as a note in my phone. Mm. <laughs> and like pinned like it. Like you'll be able to do yeah. in the app. <laughs> and I like pinned it to the top. Like I was like, okay, this is something you need to like look at every day as you're looking at your to-do list. You also see this other thing. And the oh, other cool. thing is, is like, for me, it's like, like when you start feeling, I, I wrote it as like, when you start feeling depressed, you mm. need to create something. Mm. Cause mm-hmm. I've realized that. And, but I think it also ties into that, like the chaos or the, like the, the turbulence or the whatever it's like, you can like, everything is energy. Yeah. You can transmute right. and you can like alchemize. You don't have to just express that energy, how it 
how it's like maybe asking to come out, but it's not the experience that you want, right? You right. can take that energy and transmute it into something else. Right. And so for me, it's like, I've really realized, oh, when I'm not creating, when mm-hmm. I'm not like, you know, and it doesn't have to be for someone else, like even right. just for myself, like yes. it's like when I'm just not creating things, I start getting depressed and I start mm-hmm. like really just getting into that like emotional wave, like crisis and just like, just all over the place. And the minute that I can just be like, Oh, let me sit down on my iPad and do move. a deck card or whatever, right. you know, move it's like, yeah, move the energy. And yes. like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't just like get rid of that, but it, it channels at least some of the energy into something that is like, for me, it feels very life giving totally. in a way. Yeah. yeah. And that's where like, as you're listening to this, what's, what starts becoming very apparent as you lean into the experiment that is human design is how nuanced your design is. Because mm-hmm. like, for example, the channel that Cheyenne keeps referring to that tran- that channel of transitoriness, think about the word transitory. It implies like a movement, right? Like the word transience or transitory. It's, it's their shift there. And so right there in the channel, you have your answer, mm-hmm. move the energy. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that is, something that you came to through your own experience of the actual energy. Mm -hmm. And so this is where, again, it's not a defining system. It's not a system that's like, you are this, period. Mm -hmm. It's a system that's like, hey, here's some signposts and markers and guidance and insight and objective kind of observation points. Use them or don't. Totally. That's it. Yeah, and it's almost like, I, I think the best way is to really like, you get to a point where it's in your unconscious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, because it's hard when you're still learning and you're still trying to like, like mentally like understand something. Yes. But once it's like kind of seeped in a little bit, you can like see, I don't know, you can just start creating patterns. You can start matching things up in a way that requires less brain power mm. so that you're actually just like, yeah, you're in your experience yes. instead of, because it's a, it's hard because in the beginning you're actually like, you are in your head, yes. which is actually not really what we want with human design, but it's like, you do have to be in your head to understand it and then bring it down into your experience and into your body and into your life. Yes. Um, and so I guess there's maybe just to say that there's like, there's some time in there where it's like, you could give up on it too, or you could yeah. not quite understand, um, what it really means to, to be in the experience of it. Yes. And so don't give up on it. It's my point. Or 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 do if you want, but <laughs> and this is a really good kind of uh space to say, okay, so you just start your human design experiment. You just start taking it seriously. It is hard at the beginning. However, it is difficult only when you are trying to look at your body graph and grasp all of the nuance in the span of a day or a week or a month, Mm. or a quarter, or a year. That is when it's difficult. Human design, you're not here to look at your body graph and know it all and remember it all and, you know, then try to embody those traits because it says, oh, the gate 59 through the second line, shyness. Oh, I've got to be sexually shy. No, that's not it. Your entry point to start your human design experiment is follow your goddamn strategy. And use your inner authority to do it. That's it, right? So this is where, like, we all love nuance. 
My son is in the gate of details as I had last time. I'm all about the details. Agreed. Like, it's it does get heady. Mm-hmm. But, and, and is a better word for this, hold those details, hold the gates and the lines and the channels as something that you're naturally going to see unfold as you follow your strategy and authority. And that way, as you start the experiment, you start by just being like, cool, I'm a generator. I have sacral authority. I'm going to just respond from my sacral. Cool. I'm a manifester. I've got emotional authority. I'm going to allow my emotional wave to give me energy and allow my creative process to inform people. Awesome. I'm a projector. I've got splenic authority. I'm going to feel for how things hit me on the level of wellness. Ooh, does this feel like a body contraction? Or does this feel like, this is not going to make me feel good? Or, hey, you know, I'm an emotional manifesting generator. I've got this really quick sacral energy up to the throat. I've got an emotional process. Like, I've got to kind of have these layers that I've got to try, try to practice. That's where you start. Start with just what is my type? What is the strategy of my type? And then what is my unique inner authority? Just start there because what you will very quickly notice is what Cheyenne just alluded to is like all those details that can get very heady and almost overwhelming, they start to just naturally play out. Mm -hmm. And then after some time, like I always say to clients, take like a year Mm -hmm. and just follow your strategy and authority. And people are always like, ugh. And I'm like, (laughs) no, 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 no. Here's the thing. By doing that, and I feel like you can definitely speak to this, by just following your strategy and authority, quote unquote, just, you are going to find your entire design show up very clearly. And you won't have to think about all the gates and the channels and the centers and the hanging gates and the this and that. You're just going to see it. Mm. And that's when you turn your attention back to the portal app and you go, oh yeah, wow, look at that. And you make a note of it Mm. and you watch it. Because now you have the awareness to do that because you're not making decisions with your mind. Mm -hmm. And then it's not heady. Yeah, and I wonder if the... So, like, that's a really interesting point, too, because it's like you're... With your design, following your strategy and authority or not following your strategy and authority, maybe that's, like, the root of the not-self. That's the root of conditioning. It's, like, how you're actually making decisions in the world and listening to yourself. If mm. that's like out of alignment, um, then the rest kind of almost doesn't matter. Correct. In a way. So yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense because it's like, maybe I'm just finally realizing, cause you always say that, but I'm like, Oh, like, okay, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, um, because otherwise what you're doing is you're just, you're creating that identity you're just taking it on as an identity or as a definition where it's like, oh, my son is in this gate. And so this is how I am. Yeah. And the experiment part really is your strategy and authority. Right. That's the part that's like going to bring you into your day-to-day experience. And and I think you're absolutely correct that like your body graph will make itself <laughs> known to you once you start doing that. And then it's also like, I remember like with astrology, someone, I read this somewhere, but they were like just saying that like, sometimes you'll like look at your chart and all of a sudden you'll see something you never saw before, like a planet or a, you know, maybe like a trine or whatever, you know? And it's like, and in that moment, it's like now your field of awareness is like ready to like look into that. Mm. If that makes sense. So it's like, and I, and I've had the experience multiple times where I'm like, Oh, this, and then, and then 
all of a sudden I can just process that easily instead of trying to like force the like, let me sit down and understand this, which is like, there's a time and place for that in life. Like sometimes we've got to study. I spend a lot of time doing that. But, um, yeah, it's like, uh, if you can let, have some spaciousness and some time and start with the strategy and authority, then as you go along, you very likely like for me. And like you said, you saved your, saved it as a PDF on your phone. And when the portal app comes out, you can just look at the portal app, but you know, you'll have that, you'll have your body graph. And I've had experiences throughout the day where I'm just like a little like bing, like light bulb moment. And I'm like looking at my body graph and I'm like, Oh, like, and then something stands out to me and I start looking into it. You know what I mean? And those are kind of the the like synchronicities Mm -hmm. in your experiment that will only happen if you let it have time and space and without that, you're, you are like forcing it. Yes. A little bit. Absolutely. And yeah. with time and, and that's a conditioned behavior is forcing. Totally. Right? Like forcing mm. versus energetic alignment. And that's what you just spoke to. Mm. Force is something that we actually probably culturally exalt. Right. Whereas like totally. energetic alignment is like, it takes more time. It takes more awareness. It requires like congruence between mental plane, emotional plane, physical plane. Like there's so much more there happening. And so this is something where if you're going, okay, cool, you know, I'm sold. I'm going to look at my human design and I'm going to start following my strategy and authority. Absolutely, positively do that and give yourself a lot of grace. Give yourself grace on the level of like, you know, if you override your strategy and authority, if I, Alyssa go yeah you know what I don't really feel like waiting to be invited I'm just gonna like totally get in there I'm gonna wiggle my way right in and I'm just gonna like that's okay just watch how it goes right Mm -hmm. objectively observe Mm -hmm. oh yep that defined g center to throat to ajna really just like came in hot told the people what you you know what you felt like you kind of forced it told the people what you felt like they needed to hear without them inviting you and look at how it went okay, cool, learn from it, and then move on. And the next time this opportunity comes up, ask questions, wait to be invited. And this is where, you know, what you can really do, and you'll be able to do this on the portal app, and we're so excited about this, is right then, in the moment, have access to your body graph. And when you're looking at a body graph, what you are looking at is a bunch of information about what energy you have consistent fixed access to. So for example... Cheyenne and I, we both have open sacral centers, which if you're looking at a body graph, it's the second box from the bottom. You've got your root center at the very bottom, and then you've got a sacral center. Sacral center is life force, workforce energy. We both have it open. So that kind of gives us a resonance. But if you actually look at our definition, the centers, the energetic centers, which are represented by shapes that are colored in, and how you get an energetic center is when two gates connect. Two opposite gates connect, and opposite gates sit in different centers. And when opposite gates connect, they make a channel, and that just means that there's energy flowing between the two centers. So for example, Cheyenne has energy flowing between her emotional center, her will, and her throat. And so it makes this connection where she's got this ability to have like emotional endurance and commitment in relationships and in projects and in community and then an emotional process that she moves up to her throat and then she informs from. 
And so she, as she's following her strategy and authority, can go back and just visually look at her body graph and be like, oh, damn, I just did that thing and I moved from, like, pressure. I moved from the open root or the open head. Now, Alyssa has totally different definition. Alyssa has, I have, defined G-center, which is the diamond that's yellow in the middle of the body graph, up to the throat, brown box, up to the ashna. I, though I have very different definition, which is like speaking from my identity, speaking from my experience and getting, you know, kind of like uh, cognitive downloads that I can also speak. I can also speak from or act from out of pressure because I've got an open root and open head. And I can be visually reminded of that when I go and look in the portal app and be like, oh yeah, that's openness. Shoot, I'm acting from out of pressure, Mm -hmm. just like Cheyenne can. And so there's so many little visual cues that you can get based on different layers of your body graph as you're looking at it. And you can use what centers are defined, colored in, what centers are open, white, what channels two opposite hanging gates connecting and making energy flow between centers. Do I have, what kind of hanging gates do I have in my open centers? There's so many levels of information and none of it is information you need to know at the beginning. The entry point is simply follow your strategy and authority. And then as Cheyenne said, refer back to your body graph when you're like, I'm feeling like I need to look at this for some reason. Oh, cool. Boom. That thing's going to pop out. And you're going to be like, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. Alyssa's moon in the gate 55 in the first line, that's cooperation or not. Am I, is Alyssa, am I emotionally cooperating? Am I seeing the bigger picture? Am I being investigative in my process of my emotions? Or am I staying really stuck in a victim state, getting victimized and then not able to cooperate because I feel stuck, because I feel fear, because I don't feel security first line. So there's all this information there and it will all unfold in good time as you follow your strategy and authority. Yeah, and I think that just remembering that will help with like, cause I know that, and I know you've heard this much and I, I have too, the more people I'm like, let's pull your chart. And the first thing people say almost always is just like, well, some version of like, what? Or <laughs> what am I looking at? Or <laughs> uh, weird or something like that. You know, yeah. it's like, it's a lot. So it, it is like, just take that pressure off yourself mm. for like needing to understand it all right now. Cause, um, I mean, I think it, it ties into, you know, kind of how we live life as in the way of like, life is a journey, right? Life is ongoing. <laughs> life goes for however long your lifespan is. And that process isn't something that you can just have right now understand right now, get everything you want right now, right? To a certain extent, you can like do things in the moment to like create a certain experience. But the point is not to like, just like achieve some everything right now, you know? It's not. It's not. Sorry (laughs) if that, I mean, (laughs) I mean, maybe it is. I I I agree with you. I agree with you. It's not. Yeah. And that's, yeah, right. And please finish. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's basically the end of it. But just like, it goes back to that for the forcing. Yeah. The forcing and the, how that really, I, that is so deep, I think, in our culture of like, and honestly, like as a man, like manifester, it took me like a while to understand that like initiating and forcing are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's like, even that's hard for like someone who's like, it's like, cause you could take it as like manifestors are like here to like force things. Mm. Um, but I don't think that's really the point of it. Like, no. <laughs> you're right. It's like, it, it, there is a difference between the two. So if you're a manifestor out there, you know, I don't know. Maybe and think about forcing, it. Let me know what you think. Yeah. If you're a manifestor out there and you're forcing, look at your impact on other people. Yeah. And also look at the whole system, right? Because this is the thing. Nothing in the system works isolated. So just like your heart beats while you digest food, while you think, a manifestor is here to inform and you're informing people so that they can respond. And then people are responding and then they're inviting and manifestors are, you know, sitting there. And if they start forcing, generally people don't respond well Mm. to them. And so that's something where it's like, again, just another awareness point and how you get that is following your strategy and authority. And here's the fun thing. If for nothing else, human design will give you really cool insights to share with your friends and talk about. And that is a huge gain Mm because you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm a manifester. I'm a projector. I've been projectors out there. How many times have you swooped in to save the day with your glorious insight and had someone pretty much kick you in the face and be like, what are you doing? You want, you want to be understood, whether you're a projector, a manifester, a reflector, a generator, a manifesting generator, an emotional generator, an emotional manifesting generator. Everyone wants to be understood. So it's like following the strategy and authority makes it so that you can be better understood. Your intentions can be better understood and not just by the other, but also by yourself. Yeah. I'm curious what you think about this, but I'm kind of wondering, like, do you have any advice? Let's say like there's someone who has like looked up their human design chart Mm -hmm. and they, you know, they, they learn, okay, I'm a, I'm a generator. Um, my strategy, right, is to respond, and I have this, like, yes, no, sacral response. Um, but I'm finding, like, in my life, no one around me necessarily knows human design or is, like, aware of it on any level. Mm-hmm. And, like, what I'm receiving from the outside world is very, um, is it, it, it's hard, it's hard for me to create that response in a yes, no way from the input I'm getting if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So someone's yeah. like, like a good example of this is like, I think you spoke to this in the last podcast, actually, but it's like asking someone like, so what do you want for dinner? Right. Right. There's like big, everyone asks like big, broad, open-ended questions. And it's like, you're not. Notebook down. Notebook down. <laughs> you're, you're not getting, you know, that yes, no question. Um, like I could see someone like feeling frustrated by that. Right. Like, cause now you have this awareness, but like what you're receiving from the outside world and now it's creating this weird thing. So it's like, is this something you can also give yourself? Mm -hmm. So like if someone's like, okay, what do you want for dinner? And then in your head, you're like, all right, Cheyenne, um, do you want pizza? No. Do you want, you know, yes. Sushi. Yeah, that sounds good, right? Mm -hmm. Like, take that second to, like, even if you're not receiving it from other people, like, what you need, can you give it to yourself? Yes. And then I'm curious, like, how would that look, or could you speak to maybe, like, how would that look for the different types? Uh, Of course, like, authority is, is, you know, can get complicated because there's, Mm -hmm. like, a lot for each type, but maybe just, like, semi-briefly for each type, like, what, how would you, how would you describe that? Like, how, how would you give that to yourself? Totally. Okay, so this is such a brilliant question because I do often see like one person in a unit or a family or a a community, um, learn human design. And then they're like, 
oh, I have to teach everyone else human design because no one else knows how to interface with human design. You can do that, but sometimes people will feel resistance to it. Like it's not uncommon for, let's say, a, a couple. One of the people learned the design and the other person's like, can you just leave it alone, please? Like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to know about it. Fine. Um, you don't have to tell someone why you're doing something. So if you're a generator type and someone says to you, well, let me actually back up. If you're a generator type and you have an internal yes, no response and someone's asking you questions that are not yes, no, you can very kindly just look them in the eye, put your hand over your heart and say, Hey, this would be a lot easier of a process. If you could ask me the same questions in a yes, no format, because that's how it's really easy for me to respond to them. Mm. You don't have to tell them why. You don't have to be like, my sacral center really knows what to do when you don't even go there. Trust me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just ask her what you need. And so like, yes, you can give it to yourself. Yes, you can check in. Like sometimes I'll have clients actually pre-record questions that they want to be asked. Like they will record them. Do I want to take this job? Will this job make me feel good? Will this job pay me enough? Will this job keep me healthy? Will this job satisfy my desire for X, Y, Z thing? And then they let themselves respond. Mm. And they just notice, like, they do pause between. And they just notice their responses. Mm. Um, Yes, you can also do it internally. You open the fridge. Do I want cottage cheese? Uh Uh-uh. Do I want an apple? Uh Uh-huh. Do I want peanut butter on it? Uh Uh-uh. Do I want tahini with it? Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do I want some honey with that? Uh Uh-uh. Maple syrup? Mm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And so just noticing that, yes, you can do it internally. But if you are interfacing with someone else, you can just ask for what you need. Mm -hmm. Can you ask me a yes, no? Totally. Usually the other person wants an answer just as bad as you do. And so telling someone, hey, can you ask me in a yes, no format is really great. So that's for generator types. For manifesting generator types, kind of the same thing, except y'all need to tell people what you're going to do after you get a body yes, no. Mm. Because your energy as a manifesting generator is so powerful and directed that if you don't tell someone what you're going to do and then they get in your way, you're not going to be a happy camper. They're not going to be a happy camper. So, hey, can you ask me any yes, no? Sure. You want some pizza tonight mm-hmm and then in your manifesting generator internal nonverbal creative process you're like great i'm gonna drive to the store i'm gonna <laughs> buy some dough and some delicious melty cheese and some sauce and ooh, maybe we're gonna put mushrooms and wait let's make one with pineapple and bacon T- then look at the person who just asked you and be like hey i'm gonna go to the store and i'm gonna go buy the ingredients do you want to come? And they're like, uh-huh. Instead of you just then taking your energy, walking out the door, not telling anyone, and going to the store to get your ingredients. <laughs> and then the person's standing there like, wait, I thought we were having pizza. Where'd they go? So that's generators and mangens. Then we've got the manifester. The manifester is here to inform. Now this one gets tricky because you're like, okay, so what do I do? I'm a manifester. I'm trying to interface with like my partner or my parent or my whoever, my friend. Well, human design is a binary. So if a manifestor's strategy is to inform, that also means that you should be informing them. If a generator's strategy is to respond, that also means you should be responding to them. If a projector's strategy is to wait for recognition and invitation, that also means that you can recognize and invite them and they can recognize and invite you, right? So it goes both ways. And so for a manifester, if a manifester informs, hey, I'd really like some pizza for dinner tonight, 
and they know that they're dealing with a generator who doesn't know they're a generator, then the manifester can just be like, do you want pizza? Uh-uh. Oh, shit. Looks like we're having different things for dinner. Hey, I'm going to go get some pizza. Do you want me to grab you something at the store? Uh-huh. Would you like some salad? Mmm. Avocado on that? Mm-hmm. Shrimp? Oh, baby, you know me. Then the manifester says, great, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get my ingredients for pizza and I'm going to get my salad. So you can see how it's really a practice of learning how you can use your strategy to communicate. The manifester informed every time. The generator sitting next to them who doesn't know they're a generator does not need to know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it still will work. Um, projector types. Projector types need to wait to be invited, but it's not on the micro. Mm. It's not the microcosm. So, like, if you're a projector and you're like, God, I just have been sitting on my thumbs all day, every day, for the last 10 years since I learned about human design because no one's inviting me, I've got some news for you. You can stand up. And really, for you, yes, there is a microcosm for projectors of what I would call, like, the art form of being a projector, which is, like, reading the room. Because you're metabolizing that energy, even if no one else knows what their type is and no one knows you're a projector, you are going to find it difficult to get invited, yes, but what you can do is read the room and then ask questions and use the questions to either inform the manifestors that you know something or ask yes-no questions to let the generators respond. And... From that place, what you will notice is you either get an invitation, like a micro invitation or not. That level of acting as a projector makes life very easy, in my opinion. It makes, there's a lot less resistance. That being said, the projector doesn't necessarily need to wait for the invitation to leave their house, wait for the invitation to post on social media. If people are following you or observing you, that's an invitation. If you are in energetic alignment and you're not forcing or acting from the not self, really what you're waiting for the invitation for are like big life events. Who am I going to partner with? What kind of work am I doing? Who am I collaborating with? What kind of jobs am I taking? Where am I living? Who am I living with? The things that really make it so that you are committing to metabolize someone else's energy, those are the invitations that you are waiting for and that you want to be very deliberate about. The rest of it is kind of like taking wait for the invitation and pulling it into the microcosm and really getting good at asking questions so that people invite you on that kind of subtle level. Um, and again, that requires nothing. Mm-hmm. It requires nothing. And when in doubt, just ask yourself, okay, do I know the other person's type, strategy, and authority? How can I facilitate them using their type, strategy, and authority without explaining to them mm-hmm. their type, strategy, and authority? So for, for me personally... As a man, as a manifester, as a projector, <laughs> when I'm interfacing with the manifester, I'm going to be more like, Hey, Cheyenne, you know, I only did one gate this week. It's been really busy. I'm like super psyched. Don't worry. Like, it's not that I'm not mm. interested in this project. I'm informing mm. Cheyenne of where I am at so that she is informed because her strategy is to inform that way. If she gets an idea or she's not happy with the energy, she can invite me to do something different, but I'm not going, Hey, Cheyenne, let me inform you. <laughs> Of what's happening. So as long as you know other people's strategy and you know your own, you can use it very subtly. Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, totally. Okay. And do you, for, re, for I think reflectors are. Oh, reflectors. Yeah, I don't know if there's any. Well, so for. <laughs> Wait, that's how I feel about that yeah. question. 
<laughs> We're drinking Epic. giant, giant iced coffees, which is like Alyssa's. I don't know. If, is that a secret? A is it a secret thing? Like, do people know this about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like every Instagram live I have. You have a giant one? Okay. okay. This is a, a nice iced coffee with almond milk and some maple and some um, Gaia golden milk powder. Yeah. It's super fancy. This is my um, clothes determination summer mm. pattern, mm-hmm. which is like water in the morning, hot coffee, then the sun comes out, wait a couple hours, have a big iced coffee, then a couple hours later, have a lunch that's usually cold. Like, so fun. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's a whole other realm of human design, but keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, so reflectors, so they're they're on the lunar, yes. lunar cycle. Reflectors, I would almost say, <laughs> I want to say something really mean, but I'm not going to. Because reflectors are honestly the best. But reflectors, you don't really... Hmm, how do I want to answer this? It The mean thing was it doesn't really matter. Mm. Because either, in my opinion, in my experience, either reflectors are entirely self-aware. Mm. Or they have no self-awareness mm. at all. And because their strategy is really just, hey, take time. Mm. Like, that's the... Yeah. That's what you're doing, right? You're taking time. And there's a nuance to that that we're not going to talk about in this podcast episode, but the reflector is taking time. Mm. That's what they're doing. So to me, the best way to interface with a reflector is to just be yourself. Mm. Just be yourself and be as transparent as possible. That way, when the reflector starts to feel you because Mm -hmm. they're reflecting you, Mm -hmm. they're aware that you're aware. Mm. And that helps to cue them in. Mm. And so the more self-awareness they have, they're either going to be like, oh, that's Alyssa. And wow, that's a little quirky pattern she's got. Or they're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's a quirky pattern I have. Yeah. And so it's really like they almost don't matter as far as mm. interfacing with them because either A, they, they get it mm. already and they're like, mm-hmm, I take responsibility for what I feel, but it's informing me entirely, whether it's a thought, an emotion, mm. a stress, a pressure, a joy, or they're identifying with literally everything. Mm. Man, I could see that being really like, yeah, as a reflector, if you just like feeling the pressure of, I could see, I could see as a reflector feeling the pressure of, from other people of them maybe unconsciously or consciously putting on you to make decisions how they make decisions. Right. That I think would be probably the hardest part where it's like you're, you, you, you need to wait. Mm-hmm. You need some like time and everyone else around you is like, either that really quick sacral response or they're like, you know, like all, you know, and then having that awareness of like, okay, me and not me. <laughs> right. Which is why, and this is what I will say, like, I don't mean to short stick reflectors. Yeah. Like they, every reflector I've ever met is incredibly powerful. The ones I know are very self-aware mm-hmm. and the best thing that you can do around a reflector as far as like giving yourself some expanse and also like facilitating their process is just owning what's happening for you Mm. and like do it transparently because they're going to feel it and either they're going to need the time to understand what they're feeling and that it's about you and it's informing them or you can own it right up front Mm. and then they're like oh cool epiphany i'm surprised right the the reflector like exalted emotional Mm. theme is surprise Mm. or disappointment Mm. reflectors are always surprised when you own it and when you're transparent, because they're like, oh, felt that in the field, felt that in your energy, felt that subtly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks for speaking to it. 
Do you, so I'm really curious, like, so we both have three defined centers mm-hmm. separately, mm-hmm. like pretty open body grab and like, and I'm not a reflector, but I do experience, I feel like I experience a lot of the energy that's around me. Yes. And when someone can speak to it, it's like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like I can just like relax about it and be like, oh, okay. And then I cannot take it personally. And I'm just like. I kind of know what's going on. I'm like, whatever. Like, that's you. That's fine. Whatever. Do you also feel like that? Do you have that experience? Um, yes, but part of my human design experience Mm -hmm. right off the bat was looking at my open centers. I think we actually Mm. had this conversation a little bit, um, because what, what is an, an experience that I grew up, like talk about growing up Mm -hmm. stories, having is whoever I was around I would like then break space with them like we'd go our separate ways and I would be like fully consumed in that energy Mm. like I'd be in it Mm -hmm. what if it was emotional if it was like anxious if it was whatever and I would full-on like identify with whatever was happening and I didn't have the awareness to be like hey you as a projector are metabolizing that energy Mm. or you're as anyone Mm -hmm. like you're saying you have what six out of nine open centers. Mm-hmm. So does so do I. You you just amplified all that energy, and so you're feeling the reverberation of amplification mm-hmm. of energy that's just not yours. Mm-hmm. You don't need to identify with it. And so I would say yes, it's helpful when people speak to things, but generally, as long as in my practice I take time to be alone, mm-hmm. I can be like, oh, that thing I noticed is legitimate, and it's mine and then I'm feeling it and it's here to inform me but it's not mine Mm. it's more something that I can like subtly be aware of and just take in as information yeah it's just now occurring to me I'm thinking about like because something I I realized a few years ago like with anxiety Mm -hmm. was I was like oh there's a difference between or I started to realize that for me anxiety like starts in my body Mm -hmm. I feel it in my body and then my brain is like, you're anxious about this. You're anxious about that. You're anxious about this. But it's like, actually, it's like a body feeling. Mm-hmm. And I could not attach anything to it. Like, I don't right. need to make it about, like, my partner or my job or the state of the world or whatever. It's like, no, it's like just happening in my body. But now that I'm hearing you say that, I'm really curious, yeah, if you can sense the difference between someone else's whatever mm-hmm. and your own coming from inside you because it's like both energy yes and and i and my sense is that yes you can but like yeah it's a whole other level of awareness (laughs) totally so okay so i think this is different for everybody yeah but a process that i've noticed for myself unless i'm triggered around other people i generally don't have a process that's happening around other people Mm. i'm so consumed like this is something i laugh with a lot of my friends and maybe you've noticed this subtly with me but like if you're like Oh, Liz, like, how are you? Mm. Like, say you've been talking about your experience, and then you're like, how are you? I almost look like I'm like, how am I? How am I? (laughs) Wait, how am I? What has been happening? Like, I get so consumed by Mm. the other person, Mm -hmm. and and I'm trying to understand and, like, Mm. be in it, and, oh, wow, what did that feel like for them? And then they're like, how are you? And I'm like, eh. (laughs) Like, straight, like, that is it, right? (laughs) So, for me, I usually, if I'm triggered... It's different because that's my process Mm -hmm. and that's like my energy Mm -hmm. and like, 
uh-oh, mm-hmm. that didn't land well. Like, what is that telling us? What's the invitation mm-hmm. here? But yes, there is a difference. And usually, usually my process, my energy, the thing that arises from me will only come up if I'm alone mm-hmm. in my own space. Mm-hmm. That's it. Totally. And if I'm with other people, I'm usually in their energy. And of course, it's not just like, oh, Alyssa's with Cheyenne, mm-hmm. therefore Alyssa feels Cheyenne's energy. It's mm-hmm. I feel the energy of our energy yeah. meeting. And of course, like you might leave and I might be like, wow, cool. Like I feel your will center. And I'm like excited and I'm da da da. But that's a, that's a huge one. It's like usually when I'm with people, I'm more in their energy mm-hmm. than in my own. Mm-hmm. And let me actually put it this way, more in the alchemy of the mm-hmm. energy than in my own. Mm-hmm. And then when I get alone, I'm like, oh, cool. That's how that alchemy mm-hmm. impacted me. Totally. Yeah. I've really, I've really realized like how it's like, yeah, the only time I ever feel like myself is when I'm alone mm-hmm. and that <laughs> feeling of being me. Yes. Yeah. It's only, only ever when I'm like, oh, not even with my dog. Mm-hmm. My dog is a hurting dog. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, you're talking about generators. Right. 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 Have but you, you pulled its chart? I think I did. I was like, I don't have the exact birth time, but I was like, I'm pretty sure she's a generator. But anyways, the point being that I'm like, you know, it's like, I have to be alone, alone, alone. And if I'm around anybody and it is that it is a meeting of the energy, but it is also like experiencing someone else's whatever's going on you know and like yeah it's so important to have alone time (laughs) it's so important to have alone time yeah it really is and and again it's it really just comes back to awareness right because I think something that I hear a lot of times clients especially as they're learning human design they're like oh that's not mine like that's Mm. I'm taking on da 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 and I'm and I'm like whoa because it's it's yes And if you're feeling it, it's for you to feel. Mm. If you're amplifying it, it's for you to experience. Mm -hmm. You can choose, we can choose, I can choose to be conditioned by it Mm -hmm. and identify with it and get stuck in it and then take it on as like, oh, you know, my mom, my dad, my brother, my lover, my husband, my whoever has this thing and I identify with it and now it's mine. That's conditioning. Or you can be like, my mom has an emotional wave that's tribal. If she has something that doesn't sit well with her, love you, Lisa, if you're listening <laughs> to this, um, and she's taught me a lot through this. If there's something that doesn't sit well with her and she doesn't speak on it, she has an emotional whoosh, mm. an emotional break, right? She's got that 3740, mm-hmm. and she's also got the 1949, so she's got both the tribal waves. So if she doesn't speak on it, it explodes in in your face with her there. And then she feels better. That's something I used to identify with where I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I did something wrong because I can feel her emotional wave. Mm. No, she's just having her own process. If I can understand that and identify with me amplifying the wave, wow, do I learn a lot Mm -hmm. about how she feels me, about how she experiences me, about how I experience her, about how we're both conditioned, about... You know, how much she loves me and is like watching me and noticing me and does that bother me and like, right. So it's like, yes, we amplify other people's energy, but we're still responsible for the amplification of the energy. We are totally, even if we're not here to identify with it, which we're not, we're here to be informed by it. So any, for those of you who are a little bit newer or feeling lost, you amplify energy in an open center, right? You amplify energy 
in any center that is white. And amplification of energy means you feel it bigger and potentially a little bit distorted, depending on your conditioning, the gates you have, etc. And so if you're around someone, for example, if I'm around Cheyenne and she has an emotional wave and I do not, anyone with definition, whether it's emotional or otherwise, is responsible for the climate. So when I'm around you, I'm responsible for the G center, mm-hmm. identity, love, direction, owning that, being cautious around it, and then also Ajna, like concepts. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for the emotional wave and the will center energy. So it's like if Cheyenne's in an emotional wave and she's not taking responsibility for it and then I'm feeling it and I'm not taking responsibility for it, there's a weird, and you've probably felt this mm. before, there's like a weird tension where both people feel confused. Cheyenne's in her emotional experience and she knows it and I'm feeling and amplifying it, I can be responsible for it by being like, hey, what's going on? Mm. How are you doing? And she can be like, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? And then it's like this kind of even keel back forth, both people are learning. Mm-hmm. And so that's where like, ultimately this system also allows you to take radical responsibility because your awareness goes way up. And so then you're like, oh, I'm amplifying Cheyenne's, my mother's, my whoever's emotional wave. Cool. Now I can feel where they're at potentially, mm-hmm. but let me not make any assumptions about that. And let's check in and same for the opposite. And I think the, I've heard you say it, but maybe originally raw, it came from raw, but the idea of like the open center is like where you go to school. Mm, that's raw. 100%. Raw. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this idea that I, I like that idea because it's like, it's not about identifying yes. with what you're experiencing from other people. It's about like a learning experience. You yes. get to learn about yourself. You get to learn about the other person. You get to like, you know, you know, have that, um, almost like a scientist mindset where you're like a little bit removed right and you're observing yes if you can yes or maybe you're like fully in the experience and then the next day <laughs> right you're retroactively observing you know it's like the observing doesn't always have to be in the moment that is hard like we all struggle with that but yes. you know it's like it gives you an opportunity at some point to have that observation totally yeah and if you have and this is where again like as the more you use portal the more you see the patterns the more you see the circuitry, the gates, the channels. If you have individual knowing circuitry and a lot of it, you're probably going to see things in the now and Mm -hmm. be in the now with it. If you have a lot of sensing circuitry, you're probably going to reflect more on the past. If you have a lot of logical circuitry, you're probably going to project more into the future. It's like you can see even Mm -hmm. though that level of nuance of pattern just by knowing your circuitry. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's so much there. And that is the concept that Cheyenne just referred to, um, you know, your openness is where you go to school. If you think about that, the you, where you go to school, that's your definition. So you use your definition to learn about your openness. Mm. Oh, cool. I'm realizing that I'm a, you know, my definition is my identity center, which gives me direction and connects me to love and the whole. My throat center, where I speak from, where I act, where I connect. And then also my Ajna, where I process data. Okay, cool. So I'm going to use that energy that I have consistent fixed access to to go to school in lessons around inspiration and knowing the answers to things and not having to know the answers to things and staying open around my emotions and the emotions I'm amplifying and knowing I'm worthy without having to prove it and so on and so forth. And so it's like I still have resource Mm -hmm. in my definition for where I go to school. And this is why it's going to be so helpful to have portal on your phone 
Because then when you're like, oh, cool. Wow. I just felt myself as an emotional manifester with willpower going to school in lessons around knowing when enough is enough. I'm going to make a note about it. I'm going to put like a little note right here. Ooh, I noticed this transit lit up this thing for me in this understanding. Let me put a note right here. And then you can go back to it and you can watch your patterns. And that's going to also feed self-awareness. Yeah, and I think that, and we talked a little bit about this with the app of like how to display the information, but I think the the distillation of that whole conversation is like, because I, when I first looked at my body graph, I was like, oh, only three centers? Yes. <laughs> like you almost right. feel like bummed out by it. Yes. Like I only get three, <laughs> but like... <laughs> I love it. The white or the openness mm-hmm. is like, it's not nothing. Mm-hmm. It, in fact, it's like, I mean, it's also not everything, but it, it, it is like a, it, it is a large part of like what you're here on earth to sort out and to like learn from and to experience and that kind of thing. And so it's like, um, and to become wise about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting in like, uh, just looking at it from that, like when you look at your body graph, don't just like be like all the emptiness is nothing and just right. ignore it. <laughs> right. Cause it actually, it can tell you a lot about your chart and most people have, well, I don't know. Do you think most people have a, like a fair amount of openness or is it just all it's, over the, it's all over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really all over. I've seen full nine centers defined really? one time. Wow. And I've seen eight out of the nine centers defined. I, I think it's two or three. Mm. so yeah maybe it's more rare to have all defined that makes sense it's way more rare to have full definition because what that speaks to is that like the moment you were born and three months before the planets were all over the place right like you have like just so much variation right um or at least enough where you're getting an array of things lit up yeah right um and just you know if you're listening to this and you know astrology you cringe when someone's like, I have no Aries in my chart. And you're like, well, yeah, okay. You are an Aries rising. So actually your whole first house, the arena of self and understanding yourself and who you are in this world is ruled by Aries, right? So it's the same thing with human design where like, just because you don't have definition or consistent fixed access to energy in your emotional center doesn't mean that you don't experience emotions. Yeah. And this goes back to a little bit. We talked about this a little bit in the first podcast, but it's like you're, I mean, so the 12 signs, right. Are like 12 archetypes that exist in the collective unconscious. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they exist in the collective unconscious is because we all embody them to a certain extent at different times and different situations in our lives. Right. So like, when you're looking at those 12 signs, or if you're looking at the 64 gates, which are all inside of the 12 signs, those are all based on those archetypes that all exist inside all of us. And mm-hmm. there, it's kind of like the human, you know, the human dilemma or the human like existential like uh, struggle. Right. And beauty. It's all the things. Both. But it's Both just and. like, you know, that's kind of what you're looking at. So it's like, I mean, the the good thing and also maybe, like, the not-so-good thing about distilling information down to such a, like, micro point, like, even Aries, which is still a distillation, is, like, losing sight of that broader concept that pulls you back into the collective. Right. You know what I mean? And yes. back into the whole picture. Yes. A slice of the whole picture. Yes. So it's, like, not getting too focused on the detail. We were right. talking about details. Yeah. yeah, where it's, like, what is it? Uh 
you're so focused on the tree that you don't see the forest. Mm -hmm. Is that the metaphor? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that where it's like, you're so in the detail that you, you're, you're not seeing the whole picture. You're not seeing where the detail fits into the context. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, this is why it's really important to not try to understand your whole human design chart right away. Cause you will get lost in the detail and you won't be able to pull yourself out. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that happen. And then it's just a head trip and that's not what you want from the system. You want the exact opposite. Um, and the ego trip. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same, same. Same, same. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's the same. Divine will or divine ego is yeah. so different yeah. from like the, the heady, like, you know, con- conceptualizing yourself and then having to like fulfill that mm-hmm. conceptualized self. Yeah. It's, it, there's, there's so much here and the, something that I kind of want to like, unless you have other questions, mm-hmm. is just like leave off with is. There is no one right way. There is really not because how you with your single definition, three centers defined, and how I with my single definition, three centers defined, experience everything is going to be different and that's Mm -hmm. on purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's on purpose so that Cheyenne can bring the richness of her student going to school in the openness and Alyssa can bring her richness of her student going to school in the openness from completely different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then land and be like, holy shit, we just kind of learned the same thing. We just got there from different entry points. Mm -hmm. And that's where as you start doing this experiment or you get deeper into this experience, trust the legitimacy of your own experience and your own process and your own inner authority and your own just awareness because it's going to be different than the people around you, even if they're the same type, even if they have resonance in their profile or their, their type or their whatever you still have a level of nuance of the system that is radically different even when you're very similar to someone. So just trust your own experience and trust what's coming in for you and observe it and make notes about it and then let yourself continue your experiment a little bit more informed. Yeah, and it's also, maybe this is another tangent, but uh, (laughs) I was just thinking about how... So you have... So, like, say, just from my example, I have a defined emotional center, but um, there's many people around me who don't have a defined emotional center, and I also... I'm Is your kind, partner? Uh, yeah, undefined. Undefined, okay. So, I'm kind of wondering a little bit, like, in myself, and then also in everybody else, too, if there's a tendency to look at the chart and think, okay, I have this defined, that means, like... I guess like you're identifying with it again, like this is mine or I am, uh, um, I got this on lock, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a defined emotional center. So that means like, I, I get this, but I'm just thinking about it and I'm like, I've learned so much yeah. about emotions from people with undefined emotional centers. Yes. Um, and of course that depends on their level of awareness, yes. but it's like, yeah, they're like thinking about my partner. Like he, I've learned more about emotions from him than I probably ever have in my own life. I've experienced a lot of emotions in my own life, but like right. the learning and the emotional like intelligence I've learned from someone who has that open center, you know, and I've learned a lot about empathy and I've learned a lot about like, you know, I would, I would say he, he's more empathetic than I am. Mm-hmm. I like to think I'm empathetic, but I, I know deep, deep down that he's more empathetic than I am. So anyways, the point being that it's like, 
yeah, how we all fit together and how there's every, there's things to learn from everybody Mm -hmm. about everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, just because someone is like undefined doesn't mean that. Yeah. That they, they don't know. They don't know or they don't even know more than you know. Right. Like maybe you're stuck on this one little channel or path of like how you experience emotions. Yes. And they have had a lifetime of like sorting through all of it, you know, right. and they can bring so much more to the table yes. uh, in a way, you yes. know, like so. Yeah. And that's, um, that is something that if, if you are looking at a body graph, there's this like natural ability to or natural ability natural tendency to be like oh more defined is better Mm -hmm. or oh I've got so much openness like whoa I'm not sure about this but that's the whole thing is that we can't take those like conditioned judgments and just juxtapose them onto a chart Mm -hmm. because again things just function differently right Mm -hmm. like in what is it physiology biology they're like structure equals function that's the same thing as a human design body graph Mm. of course your partner with an open emotional center is going to have maybe more empathy than you around emotion because you have a fixed consistent way you experience the energy of emotion Mm -hmm. your partner does not Right, they experience emotion in so many different ways because it depends on who they're around. Yeah, and so it's like their understanding, they're here to be of emotion is based on, oh, I experience emotion all these different ways. Therefore, I potentially have a wisdom or an insight, not that's better than someone who has a defined emotional mm-hmm. system, but that's different. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're absolutely right. Like we are all here to learn from each other, mm-hmm. regardless of definition or openness. The the defined like the being that is way more defined is not above or below the being who is way more open sometimes reflectors like sometimes reflectors will almost get this like attitude of like oh we're gods because we have all this openness and Mm. so wow we're just here to know everything yeah and no Mm. right like that doesn't make you better or worse yeah you got a lot more work to do in a way because you get to sort through and you have all that openness what is me? Mm-hmm. And that's a hard question when your experience is always changing. Mm. As opposed to your experience of emotion, mm-hmm. I would imagine, is more consistent mm. than someone like myself who has an open emotional center or your partner. I can see consistencies in my emotions based on who I'm around. Mm. And then based on how I amplify through the gate 55. Mm. But other than that, it's pretty much up in the air. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like the, I mean, the the differentiation, what Mm -hmm. makes us different, I mean, that is the whole point. Like, if we were all the same, we wouldn't have anything to learn in life. It would be pretty boring, speaking from the 35, 36. (laughs) Give me the experience of something different. Today I want apple pie, tomorrow cherry, the next day cobbler. (laughs) Yes, totally. totally, totally. So, cheers to the differences. Cheers to the learning, to the awareness. And again, just as a kind of distillation of this episode, which we traveled and traversed through so many different things. I loved it. It's amazing. Um, We will be starting to bring some guests on to hear about their stories. Um, Next episode, we are going to ask Cheyenne about where she came from, where little little girl Cheyenne blossomed and bloomed. Um, And then we'll start hearing from some other people their story and tie it into their human design. Um, But as a distillation of this episode, we got to talk a little bit about what human design is, 
what you are looking at when you look at a body graph, what are some entry points to starting your experiment, which as a reminder, they are following your strategy and authority and all of the delicious goodies like self-acceptance, being yourself, self-trust, awareness, calm, uniqueness that you get from doing this experiment. And of course, lots of headaches, but you'll know how to move through them very gracefully, hopefully, (laughs) once you download the Portal app. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag ad. (laughs) Shameless (laughs) (laughs) self-promotion. Thank you for joining us. Truly, truly, truly. If you have questions, if you have concepts you want us to cover or explore on the podcast, please feel free to direct message us on Instagram, the Human Design Portal app, and there is a period between portal and app. Um, or you can send us an email and sign up for our email list. Yeah, definitely. And all those links will be in the show notes. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Yes, we'll see you next time. Well, you won't, we won't see you. Yeah. You'll hear us. You'll hear us and maybe we'll hear you. I don't know. <laughs> Do the collective. <laughs> Just out there. We'll hear you and you'll hear us. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> you know what we mean. 